Today's guest is Dexter Braff, president of the Braff Group, a healthcare M&A advisory firm. Braff joins HME News in 10 to talk about Owens and Miners' planned acquisition of Apria and how the deal represents the end of an era for M&A in the HME industry. Listen to find out why the deal's estimated $1.45 billion value is not what it seems and how it's another sign of the seismic shift toward more care in the home. I'm Liz Bollier. And I'm Teresa Flaherty. And this is HME News in 10 from HME News. Stay with us. This episode of HME News in 10 is brought to you by a new webcast with Andrea Stark and Jeff Baird titled 2022 Look Ahead for DME Suppliers on February 3rd at 1 p.m. Eastern. Can attend on February 3rd? All of our webcasts are made available as recordings after the initial airing. For more information, visit hmenews.com forward slash webcasts. Hi, Dexter. Thanks for being our guest on HME News in 10. Thank you for having me, Liz. Did you see this deal coming, Dexter? No, I mean, not specifically. I know that Blackstone has been trying to exit at the Apria investment for a long time. Blackstone is a very, very large private equity group that bought into Apria back in 2008. And they, with this sale, if it gets completed, that will mean that they've been in this investment for 14 years, which is way longer than what you would typically see in an investment cycle. So I'm sure that they've been looking for opportunities to, uh, to exit the transaction, uh, exit the business, and this one apparently came along. Obviously, I'm not an insider to it, just a speculation based on, the, based on the numbers and based on the timing. Dexter, why does this deal make sense? So it's kind of the, the, uh, the playbook that we see over and over which is sort of this idea of generating synergies between the buyer and the, and, the, um, and the buyee, if you will. So there are strong potential synergies between Byram and Apria, because Byram can feed Apria rental business. Apria can feed Byram supply business. I think that Byram can also help Apria with, the what, what people refer to as the last mile of delivery, which tends to be the most expensive and most inefficient. Apria is a, not a distribution company per se, like Byram is. There's they, obviously a lot of stuff with trucks. They do a lot of mailing. But Byram's logistics, I am sure, are far more sophisticated than Apria's logistics. So we, I suspect that there's expectation that the Byram logistics could benefit Apria's supply business. I think that also the combined entity makes it better, uh, more suited to be able to to compete for capitated contracts because they offer just a much more comprehensive suite of products and services with a very, very large footprint. But all of that said, it really comes down to execution. And it's not easy. You know, Owens & Minor is a huge company. Byram is, has been operating independently, so to speak, from Apria, obviously. And you've got two mammoth organizations that have to try and find a way to 
work with one another to optimize these op- opportunities and leverage those opportunities. And that's going to take some um, that's going to take some effort. Dexter, when you look at Owens and Miner, big company, how does this take them from a niche player in home healthcare through this previous acquisition of Byram to, you know, a pr- pretty significant player in the home healthcare market? Yeah, I mean, Byram gave them an, an, an entry into that marketplace, and Apple just complements that. There's, there's simply no question. It just gives them a much, much larger footprint in the space. And it gives them another growth prong in their business. They're a pretty diversified company. They're, you know, I didn't know a whole lot about Owens and Miner. I certainly knew who they were. I'd seen products with an O&M on, O&M on it. But just doing a little bit of digging, they're a pretty comprehensive, vertically integrated platform. They have a strong complement of manufacturing, distribution, logistics, supply chain management, and all those kind of things when operated well, fit into Byram and fit into Apria. They can they they have a place, they, there's a little puzzle piece that can fit into that overall structure as they are working with their customers and affecting the supply chain and making sure products are delivered seamlessly and, and there's enough material out there. And then the whole notion of services being provided in the home, this is not a new concept, obviously, by any stretch of the imagination, but it's just getting more and more broad-based appeal as we are seeing more capitated-type reimbursement models, which favor services being provided in the home, which then requires home medical equipment and supplies. You're even seeing the, the notion of hospital beds in the home and if, as that movement begins to develop, as, uh, as then O&M being able to provide the, the full suite of equipment and supplies into that operation, obviously, would be a very strong uh, sales point if they can make it work. What do we know about how they've been able to grow Byram? I know the press release on the deal said, uh, you know, they've grown the company from 400 million to 1 billion in four years. And and what might, what they've done for Byram, what might that mean for Apria? Yeah, I think probably what happened is that because O&M does a lot of supply work, that they were able to use Byram as a distribution point. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and Byram might've taken over some of the business that was under the traditional O&M line uh, or Owens and Miner, with its broad outreach, was able to tap into Byram to provide products and services. I also suspect, this is just a suspicion, but I also suspect that Byram has probably picked up a lot of growth in the continuous glucose monitor. That product has taken off in the last four years. Uh, Byram does offer that, and that could be a very, very significant part of their growth. Again, just speculation, but it's an area that obviously we've seen tremendous amount of expansion with all the major players in the um, in the HME world. Dexter, um, O&M has said that they're going to pay, I think, 26% premium over the company's closing share in paying for Apria. Is that in line with um, other deals you're seeing in both the H&E market or the larger healthcare market? Yeah, you know, I think this is where things get a little bit more interesting and somewhat intriguing if you if you study this kind of stuff the way that we do. The first thing is it's 
it's really not a 26% premium. They can say it's a 26% premium because it's a 26% premium from where the stock was trading prior to the deal. But the reality of it is, is that as early, as recent as at the end of October, Apple was trading at just under 3750 the, the very price that O&M paid for it. The stock dropped significantly shortly thereafter. But the reason why that stock dropped was because Blackstone sold off a 12.7% stake in the company, but at a price of 31.50 per share when the stock was trading at 37.43 just prior. And so that pulled the value of the stock down because it was a significant sale that happened. And so the stock price arguably was artificially low when O&M made their um, offer. And so it's hard for me to look at that price and really consider it a premium when the reason why it fell from that very same level several months prior was because one of the principal shareholders sold off the stock in a lump sum at a lower valuation. Makes sense. Speaking of Blackstone, they've owned the company for, as you said, over 10 years. The company, Apria, went public last fall. So we know that the length of ownership by Blackstone is unusual. Is is a company going public in the fall and then selling, you know, a year a year later? Is that unusual, Dexter? Yeah, I, sus- I suspect. I my guess is that it was another way for Blackstone to to get additional liquidity because after mm-hmm. they did the public offering, the sale that I mentioned that they did, it turned out to be in November. They did another sale a couple of months prior to that. And they were able to do that because it was publicly traded. And it was a lot easier for them to affect that. So my guess, again, speculation, I'm not an insider in Blackstone's boardroom, but if you look at the the trail of events that occurred shortly after they went public, which suggests that they looked at that and said, this is going to be an easier way for us to finally get out of this, out of this transaction. It's also... It's hard to, you know, if you look at the, like what the multiple was, it, it's always tricky because you don't really know what measure of EBITDA that earnings before interest tax depreciation and amortization is the real number. Because as you all know, when we look at an earnings number, there are a lot of adjustments that would be made for one-time activities, and we have no idea what those might have been as it relates to APRIA. But for right now. If you look at what most people are probably going to agree on, is that the valuation is essentially plus or minus seven times EBITDA. And that's a really low multiple for a company that's doing more than a billion dollars in revenue. Now, it's consistent with what the stock price has been for a long time. But if you look at what ADAPT is trading at, ADAPT is trading at somewhere between 16 and 20 times EBITDA. And so the differential differential is extraordinary. I do also note that I did a little bit of checking, and just I think it was just yesterday or the day before, there is someone poking around at that valuation 
the former attorney general from Louisiana, who is uh, a partner in a law firm, is investigating the process to determine whether or not they believe that the purchase price was arrived at in an appropriate manner. I am not weighing in on that, but someone else is. So it's just one data point out there, but someone is looking into it. I don't know if it has legs, but it's out there. Dexter, what does it say the number of large healthcare companies are getting more aggressive about getting into the home healthcare market in addition to Owens and Minor, Bionapria, that Baxter International Cardinal Health investing in medically home, uh, and even Stryker buying Bochero Communications? Yeah, my my read on that is it is all part of this movement to population based health. And this is not a new concept, but what happened is that CMS began experimenting with various different models that started to, to group payments, uh, bundling the ACO projects. The private insurance companies have taken the lead in population health products so that they take, they put companies, companies take risk to manage an entire population. Once you do that, you set up a real financial incentive to find and service patients in the least costly setting. And the least costly setting is in the home. And when we were in a fee-for-service environment, nursing homes were grabbing a big chunk of that business because they were making money doing it and they were getting reimbursed. So once someone takes risk, on the population, they look at that and say, well, wait a second, I think we'd be better off treating this patient at home. Once you start adapting into the model of trying to push more and more and more services into the home, you then get into a situation where you want to have manufacturing and distribution that can service patients in that home setting. And we are seeing a substantial amount of investment that is supporting efforts to push more and more services in the home. And this whole hospital at home concept is something that is gaining a lot of interest, Um, you know, almost setting up in the home a a hospital bed replacement for what's happening in an institution. And people are experimenting with that and seeing that there can be lower costs by doing it that way. And therefore, as, as we move into that population-based health and push people into the home, you're going to see companies looking to add that capability into their end of the business. So for a manufacturing or distribution company, it's going to be a manu- a, somebody that distributes products and supplies into the home, which is a biromenda area. One last question, Dexter. So if you mentioned Adapt Health earlier, so if I'm an Adapt Health or I'm in a Link Care or Rotec Healthcare, even, you know, a regional provider or smaller provider, what do I what do I think about a deal like this? I think the sale of Apria, I think more than anything else, I think it's the end of an era. They were, you know, one of the first major consolidators in this space. You know, they ushered in a whole period of time 
where the number of acquisitions that were happening in the home medical equipment says were unprecedented. We're, we're in, we represent companies in home, in home health care, in hospice, in behavioral health care, and all of these types of product lines that are consolidating rapidly. But nothing like the type of deals that we saw with LinkCare, Apri, and Rotec, where they're doing 30, 40 deals a year. No one's doing that. And so, you know, you, you, we're in a situation where one of the big companies that kind of shaped where we are today is now, it's not like they're no more, of course, but they are a different company now than what they were at, uh, as a part of Owens and Mike. Always insightful, Dexter. Thanks for being our guest today, and uh, stay stay safe out there. Thank you. You too. I enjoyed it, and uh, look forward to uh, next, the next time we get together. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. And that's HME News in 10.